you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. Oh, my God. Another one, Chris. Out of all the hundreds of podcasts, you actually decided to do another one. We did them just for you guys because we love you guys so much tuning in and listening. Uh, and today we have the most amazing author. We always have amazing authors. I don't know why. We just never have bad authors on the show. Just amazing. And that's why you should refer the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives. Go to thecvpn.com. I'm really proud of that segue. ChrisVossPodcastNetwork.com. And uh, tell your friends, neighbors, relatives. Say, hey, you want to listen to some brilliant authors you listen to chris voss show and there's other cool stuff too as well uh anyway uh also if you want to watch the video version of this you can go to youtube.com for chris voss hit that bell notification button and join uh, there's a plethora of facebook groups for the chris voss show now there's a whole mess of them so uh just search on facebook for myself or chris voss you can join some of the uh, book clubs that we got going on there and everything else this author is a pretty amazing she's written several books her name is Jax. Miller. She's written their most recent book that just barely came out, Hell in the Heartland, Murder, Meth, and the Case of Two Missing Girls. So this is pretty interesting. And uh, she is an American author. She wrote her first novel, Freedom Child, in her 20s, well hitchhiking across America, winning the 2016 Grand Prix and uh, you can see the award because I'm not butchering this because clearly I'm not French. Uh, but she won several awards and nominations with the book. She has received acclaim from the New York Times, NPR, Entertainment Weekly, and many more. She now works in the true crime genre, having penned her much-anticipated book and acting as a creator, host, and executive producer on the true crime documentary series, Hell in the Heartland on CNN's HLN Network. She's a lover of film and music and has a passion for writing screenplays and rock and roll. Welcome to the show, Jax. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. How are you? It's wonderful. That's a hell of a resume. I guess I'm going to need to go learn some French, though, so I can pronounce the places where you got the award. Grand Prix de l'Electrique de L, I think the, it is, but I might be butchering it as well. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, the French hate us anyway, so that's that's how it goes. Uh, so you've written this book, and uh, oh, what motivated you want to write this book? Evidently, it's a real true crime story. You know, I, I don't have a good answer from, from where I first heard this story. It was something that, that kind of always haunted me, and I decided to look it up on Google one day, see if there was any, any progress with the case. And I only did a search of like the basics, you know, trailer, fire, Oklahoma, best friends. And it turned out that that very week, and this is 15 years after the murders, they were actually looking for the girl's remains in a well of a convicted murderer up in Kansas. And I says, wow, this story's so active still. And that's because of the Mother Lorene Bible. Um, so I, I call Lorene Bible up. I says, hey, you know, I'm thinking about writing a book about this. I think this is a fascinating story. And the rest is history she said come on out to oklahoma and that's what i did 
There you go. And, and, uh, was there, was there a point of the story that captured it? Was the, was it the two girls? Was there an aspect of it that, that grabbed you? I think, I think at first the most jaw dropping thing was that it was Lorene Bible and her husband who are the parents of missing child Laura Bible, who actually found the prime suspect's body after he'd been shot to death. Uh, you know, with a shotgun, he was the prime suspect those first 24 hours and this poor family finding his body and it was a gory scene. And I'm like, how did this happen? How did, how did police miss this body? And from then on, we see a whole sequence of, of uh, mishandling the case and, and just a lot of, you know, screw ups. And I just thought it was so fascinating. And at first I came to it from a storytelling point of view. You know, this is a story that's rich in character and setting. It has plot twists, but it, it didn't take long for me to really become immersed and really start to just fall in love with these people and this story and the missing girls. Um, so it, it became quite a, a, like a life's mission for me, if you will. And so for people who aren't aware of the story, because I wasn't until I started doing the research on it, this is about a crime that happened in 1999. And uh, do you want to elaborate a bit on that? Sure. So on the early morning hours of December 30th, 1999, tucked away in the prairies of northeastern Oklahoma, neighbors found a trailer on fire. Uh, they called the police and upon um, the initial investigation, they found the body of 38 year old Kathy Freeman. They didn't know it then, but uh, it, it would transpire that she was shot in the head, uh, you know, in the back of the head execution style with a shotgun. Um, it was assumed that her husband, Danny Freeman, age 40, had shot her and then had kidnapped their 16-year-old daughter, Ashley Freeman, as well as Ashley's best friend, Laura Bible, who was sleeping over that night. So Danny's missing with these two girls, and not a lot's done about it. Um, 24 hours later, and this is way after the, uh, the, the police and the agents have have cleared the scene and and uh, released the property back to family members um jay and lorene bible the parents of laura bible the friend who was sleeping over they come to the to the crime scene hoping to find any clues about where danny could have taken the girls and within moments they find uh danny freeman's dead body he was in he was in the rubble he was very clear that they found him within moments and um he was shot at point blank range in the head with a shotgun as well so you have these two dead parents and these two missing girls. They were not in the fire. Um, over the years, there have been many theories, uh, a lot of suspects. And, um, you know, we saw in, in 2018 the very first arrests in this case. Wow. So it took him 18 years to even get close, huh? Yeah. And, and, and they're still looking for the girls. I know that that's everyone's oh, main no. priority is to find the girls. So a hell of a story and, and that <laughs> goes on. Uh, and I, my understanding is you become close with some of the subjects of the book. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I think they've pretty much adopted me. Uh -oh. um, you know, I, I go out to Oklahoma, uh, you know, and it's not just work, you know, I just spent Christmas with them because I, I wanted to, they've come out to see me on the East coast. Um, I talk to them almost every day. We we're like family at this point. And I, I'm so grateful because that was something I really didn't foresee. I didn't anticipate that, you know, when I first started this story. So um, I, I feel very fortunate to be in, in their lives. I'm, I'm both with both families. I'm, I just feel very blessed. Is that kind of, uh, is that kind of an, an interesting position to be in where you're a little bit uh, where you're like, okay. I mean, you're, you're friends with your subject, like, uh, 
like uh, I don't, there's some political books that I know that I'm pretty sure people aren't friends with the people they wrote about. You know what I mean? <laughs> Carl Bernstein stuff. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think it's safe to keep a professional distance. I think that's a safe route. And I didn't want that. I says there's so many sterile true crime books out there. And I didn't want to be a reporter that brought the story to people. I wanted to be the novelist that I am and bring readers into the story. And to do that, I had to be in Oklahoma. I had to be one of them. I took that one in Rome approach. I even tried uh, cow testicles because that's what they do out there. You know, um, so I, I, you know, this is what I did and I loved it. I, I really grew to love these people. I've, I found that they were the kindest people I'd ever known. And I just, I love the way that they handled themselves. And I love the, the food, except for the cow testicles. I love the food. I, I, I just really love the, uh, the uh, culture out there. I, th- I thought it was really rich and, and I thought it was very beautiful. So, so you probably say that contributed better to your writing in the book and maybe some of what you brought as a novelist and being able to tell a better story. Absolutely. I, I feel like I, you know, I knew from the get go, I wasn't going to write this story from a desk. I knew I, again, I wanted to bring readers in. And the only way to do that was to write it from the inside out. And, you know, I, I think, I think it's, it, it also goes with my personality. I happen to be a, a very passionate person, a little bit obsessive. I joke in the book that I take some features from my on the spectrum father. I just, I become fixated on things and, you know, that's a blessing and a curse. And in this case, I really think that that helped me understand the girls. It helped me make them relatable for the book because I didn't want to paint them as victims of these horrible crimes. I wanted to show you the wholesome 16, you know, these wholesome 16 year old beautiful girls that they were and what they meant to so many people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't regret it one bit. Will I do that again? Probably not. I, I want to do true crime, but I became so immersed. It, it did take a toll on me emotionally but uh, i think it was worth it do you think they'll ever find the girls i am cautiously optimistic and to be honest i think it really depends on my mood i have days where i feel like they're so close and then i have days where i feel like it's hopeless Um, Mm. but something that can be learned from the families especially loreen bible is don't get on those emotional roller coasters take it as it comes because i think it's very easy to do that and I had done that in the beginning. I would get on these these emotional roller coasters, and when they didn't find the girls, I would get so depressed. I would just mm-hmm. kind of crash. So I've learned in time to take everything in stride, take it as it comes. In that area, I guess a lot of people are familiar with this story. It's one of those Midwest stories in a in a town, and 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 I guess drugs are a part of this, and and a lot of you know we we've all heard about small towns in middle america getting lost in the opioidemics uh, pandemics or uh, epidemics actually i got my pandemics and my epidemics <laughs> screwed up here these days uh recently uh, purdue uh i think it's purdue was it purdue the people who makes oxytoxin they've they've had to fold up that company and turn over the government basically and so i guess the, uh, some of that is ingrained in the story with meth and drugs and stuff yeah, so so the two biggest theories, both are which exa- are, are I examine in, in Hell in the Heartland, um, is that was this a murder perpetrated by corrupt law enforcement, or was this a drug deal or, or gone bad slash drug debt? And those have always been the big the two biggest theories. And the Freemans believe it was law enforcement, and the Bibles believe that it was um, a, a drug debt or drug deal gone bad. Um, I should probably preface by saying that less than a year before these murders, death, uh, uh, 
yeah, it was less than a year before Kathy and Danny's 17 year old son, Shane Freeman was killed by a Craig County deputy. Um, they believe that it was, that it was not a justifiable shooting and they were making plans to file a wrongful, uh, a wrongful oh. death suit against the County several days before that window expired or when they believed that that window expired, um, they were murdered. So I, I don't think it was a huge, you know, far reaching theory to assume that law enforcement might've had something to do with this. You know, I don't think it came from a place of grief where people are just trying to come to terms with it and making up these outlandish things. I think that, it, you know, there was reason behind it. After Shane's death, the Freeman family was kind of at war with with the Craig County Sheriff's Office. They were going back and forth with harassing each other and things like this. On Hmm. the other hand, the Bibles, uh, you know, really point to the drug theories. And we know that Danny Freeman uh, was was really into marijuana. Uh, He grew it. how much he sold you know that's not made clear uh but meth stuff definitely comes up and while there's been no direct connection between danny freeman and methamphetamines almost every suspect ever since in the past 20 years has been very deep in the methamphetamine world so investigators even myself you know with the research it takes you into that underbelly uh involving Mm -hmm. methamphetamine so it's a huge aspect but we still don't know why we, we don't know why they died still. And and you talk about in the book, I guess the law enforcement either had some muck-ups or, you know, you're dealing with, uh, I suppose, smaller town law enforcement. So there, is, there isn't usually, you know, what you would see in a big city. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I have to walk a fine line between, you know, calling them corrupt and calling them negligent because we know that there was negligence. Um, on top of missing Danny Freeman's body, we learned in 2018 that um, they had access to an insurance card that would have led them directly to the killer. Had they followed wow. up on it, they would have found the girls alive. They also uh, found the killer's car, but they refused to process it, saying that it went through too many hands. After the one private investigator died, uh, the family bought a box of notes relating to the case to the sheriff's office, and they denied it. So there was so many mishaps over the years um that's undeniable whether or not it was corruption versus uh, a department that was in over their head we're not sure the, the hmm. craig county sheriff's office did hand it over to the oklahoma state bureau of investigation the osbi um and they were the lead agents in charge but you know we saw all this mishandling on their end too uh so while these things happened and it's very easy to get fixated on this i do want to add that the current agents are doing a fabulous job both sides of the families are very happy with with the progression um, with the current line of agents right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And this, this is so compelling and, and, and uh, I don't know, interesting as a story that, that uh, it's been on uh, some sort of media production on TV or, or film or something. Uh, yeah. I, so it was based off a book pitch. I was living in Ireland at the time and I, and I came across the story and I created a book pitch and my agent at the time out in London says, wow, this should be a TV series. And I agreed. I thought it would make a fabulous series. So I was very fortunate um, that, that uh, HLN picked it up. It was a four part series that aired in June of 2019 and it, it covers the case, but, but not like the book, the book is much more in depth, of course. Um, but I think it's so important that the attention is, is there because every time there's attention on the case, the tips come. The people are coming forward with information, and that's what these families need. Yeah, it's just uh, it's really sad they can't find the two young girls and stuff. And it's really hard to get rid of 
somebody. I mean, I remember the case and I think it was the guy in Colorado killed his wife uh, and kids and hit him in the oil things. It was just. A... Yes. I just watched that the other day. You know, I, I think it's important to put into context, too, in this area. The killers lived in a place called Pitcher, Oklahoma, which is a former lead mining town. And all it is is sinkholes and thousands of square miles of mines oh, wow. filled with lead poison water. They're, they they flush underneath the ground. And I'm not talking about like little mine shafts. I'm talking about underground cities, underground interstates for 18 wheelers. I mean, huge, huge, huge that just flush underneath. Um, that's one of the biggest areas where they look, but it's, it's worse than finding a needle in a haystack because um, it's just so vast and it's a maze and they're largely inaccessible. Note to self, if you kill anyone, take them to Oklahoma. <laughs> the uh... yeah you know a lot uh, you know I, I i i'd be lying if i said that there have been bodies found there i'm, I'm, I'm sure wow. there are other bodies down there to be found for sure what is interesting too about the story is there is there at least one person was killed execution style which indicates some sort of thing uh i mean you could either go with drugs and some sort of gang or some sort of drug dealing thing or you could go with maybe a Serpico, maybe with the police, you never know. I could be, well, we're, <laughs> we're, you know, as far as the killers go, we're, we're largely dealing with small backwoods kind of people. Mm. Um, we're not dealing with cartel, we're not dealing with organized crime, but we are dealing with a sadistic evil man and his two cronies. Um, Phil Welch, who we now know is the killer, he died in 2007 from complications oh, wow. of ALS. And in 2015, his partner, uh, not partner, partner, but his friend, um, um, David Pennington, died in 2015. And then there's one sole surviving man who was just sentenced uh, to 10 years minus two years served. Uh, he pled guilty to accessory to murder. So Phil Welch was a very evil man and um, he, he was torturous. He treated people horribly people are still afraid to talk to him even all these years after his death people are still scared wow to talk about him he was that's the biggest question i always get asked out in oklahoma is uh you know when talking about phil welch people ask me all the time have you seen the devil and um they're referring to phil welch are you serious wow that's they, quite yeah, a reputation very scared of him he's very and and i i've learned i've learned a lot about him even after the book and um he's, he's a terrifying man Sounds like the type of monster that would have, have something happen. To so the two of these three guys basically were never prosecuted and and got away with it. And technically, correct. Yes. Wow. So this is a hell of a story, man. This has got all it the, is. It is. all the multi layers and and everything else. Uh, so uh, definitely an interesting book. What what. Uh, what what uh, what do you think readers will really take away from it, or what did you take away from it, or what are what were some things that really stuck about that that blew your mind when you researched the book? I think for me it was very much a learning process. I really learned who I wanted to be and how I wanted to write through this process. Um, at the time when when entering this story, I was kind of at a crossroads in my life. And I meet people like Lorene, who is so strong and so composed and still. She, she, she's not a, a sobbing mother, you know, who feels hopeless. She's such a powerful woman. And it's, I, I just I think she's just so inspirational. And I learned so much from her. What readers will take away, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure what they're going to take away, but I, it doesn't really matter to me. What, what matters to me is that people are having a conversation about the girls. Mm. These girls need the spotlight on them. And that's all I care about is keep talking about the girls. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think there were a lot of surprising things in this story, but um, I, I, I just I just want people to talk about the girls, I think. Yeah, get the word out, cause spread yep. the thing, and hopefully they can be found someday. Other, other than that, just a, just a, a, a sad but crazy story uh, of an uh, interesting life. Um, anything more we need to know about the book before we go out, Jax? No, I, 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 I mean, again, I feel very fortunate, you know, to to have kind of seen us through through the family's eyes. When I came to this story, there were no suspects. There, you know, it was that kind of at a big lull. And to see it evolve through the family's eyes with the arrest and, and, and after the trial, I was even sitting with the families uh, for sentencing just last month in Oklahoma. Um, it's been so powerful. It's been surreal. And I just want people to keep talking about it. I do believe there are people out there with more information. I think there are people out there who do know where the girls are. And I think, you know, just keeping these girls' faces out there, keeping the story alive is what it takes to make people come forward. And I do think we will see more whether it's more arrests or the girls being found you know god willing um i i do think that there's more to come there you go maybe it will this book will end up being your truman capote sort of moment that uh, he's you know, my spirit right. animal there you go he's my spirit animal <laughs> <laughs> only i don't drink <laughs> there you go there you go uh well it's been wonderful to have you on the show Jax. thanks for coming on tell us about your book we certainly appreciate it Thank you so much. Um, can I just plug in the uh, Bible's Facebook page real quick? Is that okay? Go ahead. Yeah, give us your plugs, please. So, so the Bibles, uh, they run the Find Laura Bible page on Facebook. Laura spelled L-A-U-R-I-A. The I is silent. So Find Laura Bible is on Facebook. Um, they are constantly updating the page with sentiments, updates on the case, things like this. So I, re I really encourage you to check out their page. Definitely, definitely. And you want to give us your other plugs for your website where people can order a book? Yeah, I'm 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 a bit of a loser. I don't have a website. <laughs> I just um, that's okay. I, a I, lot of authors I talk to don't <laughs> because the you know they got the penguin or you know yeah whoever the whoever the people are and a lot of them are journalists so they're you know the journal the newspaper or whatever agency's like no you should just have ours um, <laughs> so that's cool but we can always find you on uh, any local bookstore of course right now the book's just out it's running hot uh, you can find it on amazon.com you can find it on our shop amazon.com for slash shop for slash Chris Voss and all that good stuff uh, so be sure to uh, uh, look at the video at youtube.com for slash Chris Voss at the bell notification go to thecbpn.com follow me on goodreads forward slash chris voss and also follow our facebook groups on uh, facebook.com uh, check it out guys hell in the heartland murder meth and the case of two missing girls definitely you're going to want to get into this i think it's going to be really interesting uh thanks for tuning into my audience be safe register to vote get out and vote care about your country and we'll see you next time <laughs>